0: Alright, welcome to the fourth episode of my podcast, Talking's Not Dead. On today's episode, I brought on my friend Yogev to talk about Western esotericism. Now, if you don't know what that means, it's essentially the history of practically done magic and the practices and, you know, um, other customs that go along with it. It's a very interesting conversation. This one's a bit long, but... I think it's definitely one of the most interesting conversations that i've had so please stay tuned for the entire thing i do want to remind everyone as always that no one in these videos is an expert on these topics so um, please do not take everything that is said as um, an expert opinion or expert advice okay um so without further ado let's go ahead and get into it all right thank you yogev for coming on so your topic is the history of magic now to clarify i want to make sure everyone's clear on this moving forward because i'm going to be using magic and all those kinds of words. He's talking historical, not pop culture, you know, not from stories. This is from, like, real-world rituals and stuff. So my question, first more, question... Oh, sorry. More accurately, might be... The more accurate term might be uh, Western esotericism. That's... Okay, that was what I was researching as well, so I'm glad that I got that correct. Um. So, I guess the question is, why did you choose that topic? What made you want to talk about it? Uh, well, because you... You asked me to find a topic that I can talk a lot about but don't get the opportunity to mm-hmm. and this this specific topic has been on my mind relatively recently uh I don't even know why it's been on my mind recently, but it has mm-hmm. um and it's so weird and so obscure that i really just don't have the like when would i be able to to talk about like hermeticism and the f- fucking rosicrucians right in, right in my day-to-day yeah you never um, it never comes up so i'm glad you have an opportunity exactly. to talk about it so i guess just to start if you wanted to summarize western esotericism am i saying that right esotericism yeah esotericism um esotericism um, if you were to summarize that In as much or as little detail as you want how, how would you summarize it for somebody who's unfamiliar
1: Ooh okay So It's It's the It's the practice of magic mm-hmm. In a uh,
0: It's the practice of magic In, in the real world It's mm-hmm. a uh, Series of primarily spiritual beliefs Mm -hmm. although uh, that are connected to many western religious traditions but not explicitly precisely
1: a part of them Mm -hmm. uh, that that has had I think a great deal of significance uh, in the history of
0: a lot of diverse Fields of thought mm-hmm. uh, that all sort of come together with this notion of 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 magic in its uh um it, it, magic as a idea in like the human conscious mm-hmm. like we magic is this very powerful idea that uh, carries through it's this it's getting something for nothing right it's everyone everyone kind of wants to do that how could you not Uh, right right and there's uh, a great deal of uh interest in figuring out how to people have forever have had a very very strong interest in figuring out how to how to get things out of their spirit get things out of their spiritual beliefs right right Um, there's an incentive structure to that as well you know what I mean? Exactly. You get a lot out of it if you were to do it as well as the thing that you're trying to do. Per- yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and a lot of uh, the people who have practiced these things have gotten a lot of things out of, <laughs> out yeah. of uh, practicing and believing these things. Um, both directly and indirectly uh, from the practice. So it's, uh, it's very interesting to me. Okay, well, I think that's a good summarization there. So I guess my first um, real question, um, you know, I'm assuming that there was some start or early days of this, right? Maybe this is something that's been happening for as long as recorded history, but recorded history started at some point. In the early days, what were what are the sorts of things that people were doing? What were they trying to do and how were they doing it? Yeah, so this tradition really begins with uh, uh i mean it's it's as old as any religious belief sure. uh, it, it, at a certain level uh prayer is a form of magical practice okay right if you if you pray to whatever divine thing you worship whether it's one god many gods whatever mm-hmm. and you expect whatever you're praying to to actually uh intervene in your life mm-hmm. that is a That is magic right Right. that that you are that you are trying to do Mm -hmm. and i'm not trying to i don't want to like knock down anyone's personal religious or spiritual beliefs Uh, i don't happen to believe in any of this stuff but um yeah it's it's, more of a definitional kind of thing it's not necessarily exactly knocking it it. it's just uh um yeah actually want to talk about definitions magic is really fucking hard to define right uh specifically um, a guy who I will be talking about, Alistair Crowley, uh, mm-hmm. defined it as, uh, the application of the human will to achieve, uh, changes in the physical world. Interesting. Which is a fine definition until you realize that a bunch of guys getting together, deciding to build a bridge and then going and doing that it's falls also, under that yeah. definition. Yeah. It, it, um, it works kind of well if you don't think about normal applications. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, there's tons of definitions of magic out there. Uh, none of them work for for all cases, right? <laughs> um, or or they're so broad that everything is magic, right? Which is interesting to me because I think, um, and this is this is like a very philosophy of language kind of thing, but I think most people have a very intuitive sense of what magic is. They're like, oh yeah, if something was magic, I could identify what that is. But at the same time, when you sit down and you think about it, try to define it, it's a lot looser than it seems it's not as tangible it's, of a definition or a word yeah it's extremely uh loose uh but going back to your your original question um how did this begin uh so this specific tradition that i'm
1: want to trace and talk about sure. uh begins with uh it doesn't quite how does this it, uh it, it's it, it begins with judaism Mm-hmm.
0: And begins with a specific, uh, certain things that are specific to Judaism as a religion as opposed to certain others. Right. The problem with Judaism is that there's only one book. Okay. And that Jews as a culture have had only this one book forever. Right. Uh, more or less. I mean, not literally forever, but for thousands and thousands of years. Yeah. It's just the Torah. There is the Talmud, which is, like, commentary on the Torah mm-hmm. through, through the centuries uh, by different rabbis, but, like, it's just commentary on the one book that you have. Right, it's all, it all goes so, back to the one book. Yeah, so if you take this uh, sort of religious tradition and everyone has to dedicate their whole lives, everything they, 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 they believe in, it's, it's all related to this one book that they have, they start to do very weird things with that book, right? Um, and the weird thing that they do is uh, what is called Kabbalah. Okay. So Kabbalah is the it's sort of a broad esoteric practice within Judaism. It's it's way too broad a subject to to like the give you every bit of it. Sure, absolutely. But a big part a big part of Kabbalah is like reading the Torah, and like. Assigning numbers to the individual words and doing math on those on those uh, numbers. interesting. and using that math to uh, whatever you want, predict things, um, divine new knowledge or information. okay. um Yeah. Um, and it goes eventually deeper into this concept of practical Kabbalah, Mm -hmm. which is literally using, uh, being able to read the Torah so well that you can, like, do magic. Okay, Uh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, and so there are, uh, a lot of, like, Jewish myths and folklores that are related to this practical Kabbalah. Mm -hmm. Um, the myth of the golem is probably the most famous interesting uh the golem of prague uh or was it prague i think it's prague might have been krakow one of these cities uh <laughs> I, I should know this off the top of my head i don't that's okay remember. um essentially the jewish community is being pogromed because that's just what happens mm-hmm. and so a rabbi uh makes a Figure out of clay mm-hmm. and takes some pages from the Torah and puts it in its mouth
2: mm-hmm.
0: and this uh the Word of God animates the Golem, and the golem defends the community there, okay uh, and this is sort of an example of what practical Kabbalah
1: does I see okay, um things of that nature it's yeah, um
0: Kabbalah as we understand it today, begins in, like, the 13th century, Mm -hmm. uh, all across Europe, but the, like, medieval Kabbalah descends from a tradition that dates back to at least the existence of the Second Temple Mm -hmm. in, like, uh, 100 BC. Right. right? Long history, long-standing tradition. Exactly. Um, And then that, even that tradition... Uh, descends from earlier traditions, mm. right? Um, this uh, and yeah, it's these kinds of like early versions of this type of like magical or esoteric thought are very difficult to properly separate from just like religious belief. Mm. I would say uh, because, like I said, the practical difference between praying to God for God to do something for you and doing a ritual in which you compel an angel to do something for you and mm-hmm. doing, and just like the magic being within you or whatever. These right. are, it's hard to, it's a, it's, it's a, it's not a, uh, it's a continuum. It's not a, yeah. it's not a hard divide things. Yeah, exactly. Uh,
1: and yeah, it, uh, it, so sure. yeah, I think, I think that's where it begins. I think Kabbalah is
0: really where this, uh, tradition, okay. uh, gets its origins from. Okay, and was there any specific goal in mind? Or was it more just, again, trying to, you know, grace of God? Or was there, was there like, a specific goal in mind with this? Because At least maybe naively, I kind of tend to think that, like, when you're doing magic, you have, like, an end goal. Like, you want to create X or you want to do Y. Normally, I just think that there's some kind of goal. Maybe that's naive, but I wasn't sure if there was. Yeah, so the goal of magic in this sense has always been, uh like... And if you talk to any practitioners of magic today, mm-hmm. uh they will tell you that the the goal is personal spiritual development. Oh, okay, interesting. Uh so a lot of like modern practitioners of magic will relate what they're trying to do to themselves to uh this like these concepts from Buddhism. Oh, okay. Uh so like in 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 like a Buddhist belief, you have uh many lives right. and you like try to, like, ascend to higher levels of enlightenment in each life, and try to, like, achieve, you know, the state of, like, perfect enlightenment of nirvana. And there's different Buddhist sects that have different ideas of what that means, and yada yada yada. Mm -hmm. The the goal of Western esotericism is to do that whole process in one go as quickly as possible. Oh, okay, okay. (laughs) (laughs) One-stop shopping, you're trying to get it done. (laughs) Exactly. It's it's a very western idea. I would, I would Yeah, stress. you know, actually. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. It's, Time is money. Let's get it done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and there's different versions of what this means right for a for a Jewish practitioner of Kabbalah, it means like unity with God sure. uh in like uh spiritual sense for a like for Alice Crowley and his uh the hermetic order of the golden dawn Mm -hmm. it means achieving a sun soul okay (laughs) interesting okay um and they have like all of these beliefs about what it is and like they all of these magical traditions say like oh yeah and you can use it to do xyz thing sure practically in the world for sure uh but don't focus on that right right the end goal is this one-stop shop Enlightenment with the with the spirit or the the you know the spiritualistic, uh, further furtherment if that makes that that wording makes sense exactly yeah yeah development that's what the word I was looking for yeah yeah okay uh so sure. no you're totally fine if you had something else you wanted to add feel free to add uh no let's go on to the next question sure so I guess so that kind of gets us kind of like to the, you know, the beginning right I guess my next mm-hmm. question is um. Were there, so, so you talked about uh, Judaism. Is that is that as a like a main, uh, yeah, you know, influence? So are there any other influences that can, you can kind of be tied to this tradition? Are there any other inspirations, or was it is it mainly Judaism? Uh yeah no there are tons. Um, another big one is uh, if, if are you familiar with uh, Gnosticism? Yes. The Gnostics. Yes, I am actually. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the the Gnostics play a huge role in uh and like they're even earlier than kabbalah but they're later than like the earlier the Merkaba, which is like the thing before kabbalah uh so like they're around the same time as like the Merkaba, okay ideas uh the gnostics and the gnostics you know they they believe some very interesting things right. about like the nature of the physical world and mm-hmm. uh the the very like they put like a very big emphasis on like the structure of divinity and uh you know uh they believe that like you need to focus on spiritual you need to focus on spiritual enlightenment and this i achieving gnosis Mm -hmm. right uh in order to um rather than like focusing on the material world right right and the gnostics uh so so there's the gnostics right You also have a lot of, like,
1: uh, I wouldn't say actual Greek and Egyptian,
0: like, ancient beliefs. Mm -hmm. But I would say, like, medievalist views on Greek and Egyptian mythology. Yeah, that's kind of hard to avoid. Like, they were so big, they spread out to a lot of different cultures, like... The question more is not whether or not there is Greek influence, but what kind of, from what lens of person did you get? Which which books did they have access to? Because it wasn't all of them, I'll tell you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, like, after Kabbalah, the way that it, like, goes from just, like, a kind of weird belief within the Jewish community that's, like, yeah, if you're, like, really obsessed with the Torah, we will, like, give you these, like, math problems to deal with around it and, like, put you in a corner.
2: Right, right, Um,
0: right. Eventually the Christians find this. <laughs> okay. All you know, this is ha- bound to happen in the story. Yeah. Um, and so these are uh the Hermeticists. Mm-hmm. And so the the that word hermet like Hermeticism comes from their belief uh in this like sage-like figure called uh I'm getting at this wrong, so I'm gonna look at it. Hermes uh Trismagistus. Okay. Or uh which is like a mixture of their conception of the Greek god Hermes, mm-hmm. the Egyptian god Thoth, okay and like every historical philosopher they like. Okay, okay. Makes sense. Yeah, I mixed it all in there a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like this grain sage figure. Right. Um Uh and like the hermetic, like the Hermeticist beliefs are what like That's mainline uh, esotericism. Like, Mm. they take this concept of Kabbalah, and they adopt it to themselves, because they, they kind of, they basically, like, they take away the fact that it's, like, the Jewishness of it, because they didn't like the Jews very much. Right. But they were like, it's actually, it's just old biblical knowledge. (laughs) Right,
1: right, right. Right. And so...
0: I guess one question. I don't know if you know the answer to this. So this is ten, Would this be like mainline Christianity or would this be considered hereditary, like heretic, heretical in the time period? Now that's yeah. Um, it was often viewed as heretical at the time, mm-hmm. but at the same time, aspects of it were not.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: so the, the, the Hermeticists had a very interesting relationship with the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and they mostly got away with what they were doing because what they often did was cozy up to really powerful monarchs. Okay, that makes sense. Uh so they would often get employed as uh, astrologers or alchemists. Oh, uh, okay, that makes uh, sense. in in like or or physicians right. often right. in like royal courts. So like they France, England, the Holy Roman Empire, they all had these, like, weird hermeticists around the court. And, like, their function in the court would be if the emperor wanted uh, his astrological signs read, they would go over to the hermeticists who knew how to do that. Yeah, Um, And it's actually really interesting because what they were the version the magic that they were practicing mm-hmm. uh combined these like spiritual beliefs but also they were yeah alchemy uh and like astrology were really big components of it mm-hmm. and so these people were very impressive mm-hmm. to the like nobility of the times right uh, because they could do things that other people couldn't do like they could right. demonstrate their skills and capabilities yeah absolutely um for example the uh uh for astrology that required an incredible amount of mathematical knowledge mm-hmm. actually because like to be able to often in their heads or just really quickly on paper uh figure out a person's date of birth or like time of birth and calculate the positions of the planets and the stars and everything in the sky at that time like they had a a, actually a significant amount of what we would now call astronomical information yeah it's not it's not like you can just look up online what your what your sign is and like figure out where the stars were you know what i mean you had to like do that you know what i mean yeah like yeah you were you had to be a guy that you had to be a guy who could do it you know who could do it or like the alchemists were, or like the ones of them that practiced alchemy and often they practiced multiple of these right right. Like right. you you would very rarely just find an astrologer uh among the hermeticists you would find mm-hmm. uh, an astrologer who also did alchemy who also did like their own right. kind of weird theology stuff uh and so like the alchemists were really interesting because uh, are you familiar with how phosphorus was discovered yes that was from P yeah yeah it was yeah. this alchemist who had this belief that he could distill uh, urine uh, and purify urine into gold. Yep. Without uh, phosphorus like, go instead. you <laughs> go around town collecting people's urine and, like, scraping off, like, the salt from the top of it, and eventually it started glowing green mm-hmm. because he discovered phosphorus. Right. Uh, which, like, that was a new thing that no, didn't yeah. exist before then. Right. Or, like, right. And it was pretty useful if I, if I remember correctly. It, yeah, it was. Um you also had like uh, phys- early physicians were often mm-hmm. uh her- hermeticists, right? right? There was this uh physician by the who was referred to as like Paracelsus mm-hmm. and like the teachings of Paracelsus were considered a form of magic. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh and like many modern medical sym- like symbols and symbology are hermeticist symbols. So are. Like the Caduceus, uh, the like the staff with the two serpents coiled around it, right? In the Hermeticist belief, that's the staff of Hermes Trismegistus. Interesting. Okay, right? I would not uh, guess that. That's w- very interesting. The pharmaceutical symbol, symbol, the RX, uh-huh. that is a simplified version of a, a symbol called the Eye of Horus,
1: which oh, is really? a Hermeticist
0: symbol. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, because it's that, like, that looping R, like, shape with an X through it, and then it could be I in the middle of the, the, yes. the hole of the R. Yes. Um, and that's, that's a hermeticist symbol. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it does date back to Egyptian mythology, but the reason that it is in the modern medical community is not because of the ancient Egyptians, it's because of the hermeticists. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, yeah uh so like you would have these like a guy would come to come into town and
0: he like you someone in your town would be sick and he would come in and he would have like books he could read and these books would be full of like weird esoteric symbols right. and he would like concoct a strange brew concoction and give it to you and you would feel better right like that's that's, a, that's that's impressive that's impressive. That's magic. Yeah, okay. As far as anyone's concerned at the time, that's magic. Right. Like he um, was doing it. Yeah, and he, was, and he was practically speaking doing the thing. Uh, so that's another element of this that I, I kind of want to stress is that no one involved is, like, stupid. Right. The, uh, the, the people practicing this magic are not stupid. And frankly, the people who believe it, that these people aren't stupid. They're like yeah. they don't have the same knowledge base that we would have today, and they're like seeing genuinely incredible things happening. Oh no, uh, yeah, absolutely. Based on these people's knowledge. So yeah, you would you would reasonably believe the other things that guy will, will start saying. Right. <laughs> when you, you'll buy what he's starts, selling. As so, yeah, when he starts talking about uh, you know, other forms of magical practice, you're 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 inclined to to kinda of believe him why question him? He could do the other stuff, you know what I mean? Like, it makes sense. Uh, Like, very historic, like, it makes total sense. Yeah. So going back to your your concept of, back to your original question uh, with, like, how the church felt about these people, the church made a distinction, like, a practical distinction between what it called white magic and black magic. Interesting, okay. And black magic is sorcery, is witchcraft, is Mm. the thing the church is, like, explicitly killing people for. Right, but like astrology, alchemy, um, uh, like the medical um practice, right, and um, this other thing called theurgy uh, that they would do, hmm. which was like this idea of invoking angels to do things in the physical world.
2: Okay, mm-hmm.
0: Uh those were all considered white magic, and they were more or less fine, right. depending on how zealous uh the particular local church was <laughs> okay that's fair and i was also going to mention you know it makes sense to me that a lot of these guys would snuggle up to monarchs especially probably in that time period because this is before the church had more power than the monarchy in general i mean there was a there was a flip of power eventually um so yeah so even if uh, they were, actually flipped you know, multiple i would say it flipped multiple times fair. in different yes. areas yes yeah, that's fair absolutely depending on where you're at you're looking at absolutely yeah and a lot of these guys moved around. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, uh, one one very, influ- one very famous, very, very influential one, kind of in the later end of this time period, mm. is a guy by the name of John Dee. Mm. And he was the uh, court astrologer and alchemist for uh, Queen Elizabeth's court. Okay. Uh, so this is, like, 1500s. Right. Uh, and... Yeah, uh, at one point, at several points, he is, like, kicked out of England mm-hmm. uh, because, like, different religious views become more or less uh, strong, right? <laughs> and he, like, wanders around the continent for a while. He, like, goes into, I think it was Emperor Maximilian I's right. court for for a time in the, the Holy Roman Empire. Um, He buddies up with this one guy for a while who practices something they uh called scrying, mm-hmm. which was this uh practice at the time where people would claim to like look into orbs or like mirrors and, and such and like angels would tell them things right. through them. Mm-hmm. Uh and so <laughs> the things that the angels would tell this guy uh were, were often very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, for one, there's this very famous there's this one case where he and John Deere like hold up in a in a house at one point, and this guy is like practicing scrying, and he is told by the angels that he and John D should fuck each other's wives. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh. So that's a, that's an element of it. Is a lot of these people are just like in it for for themselves. Like, a lot of these people are what we would call grifters uh, right, today. Right. Yeah, they were. There was like a um, scene. Not all of them. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but a lot of them. And, you know, John Dee is, is an especially interesting figure because about 100 years later, you have a guy by the name of Sir Isaac Newton. Mm-hmm. Right. And Newton was also a practicing alchemist. Absolutely. He was interested in a variety of different things.
2: Yeah. He's nowadays remembered no, uh, uh, for his
0: science, but that was probably even, you can argue, not his primary focus even close. Not exactly. And frankly, he probably considered his science and his mathematics to be a part of his, like... Absolutely. For beliefs. Yeah. And uh, one of the most famous quotes from Sir Isaac Newton is, if I have seen far is because I stand upon the shoulders of giants. Yes. John Dee is one of the giants he's talking about. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's this, it, the tradition persists for it. And like Newton, this is like the beginnings of what we would now call modern science. Yes. He was like the father uh, for many, in many, in many aspects, I would say. Exactly. Uh, and so, yeah, like the magical tradition uh permeates forwards through history in very interesting ways. It, it permeates through the science through like modern science. Mm. Uh alchemy eventually becomes chemistry. Yep. Uh this like ma- medical magic eventually becomes modern medicine. Yeah. This uh you know uh the the old astrologists eventually become guys like Galileo, right? right? It it all uh I, I don't think there's this. I think there's an impulse today to like look at like the what we would like the early stages of like modern science mm-hmm. and imagine it kind of came out of nothing, right? And just Definitely like no, uh, but it didn't. And people at the time would not have considered them much different from uh, from the the
1: wizards walking no, around, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> definitely so actually this this is actually a really good point for my next question so i I was going to ask you so you know throughout like history like what were some of the major changes that happened like what was something that you know and and what stayed the same throughout the entirety of history so you know maybe not to go through everything but some of the big milestones What, what what would you say changed and what stayed the same for uh in like the magical practice magical practice you know the the beliefs as a whole for western esotericism like what would you say uh, I think, okay, so secret societies uh, started to become very significant to uh, mm-hmm. this practice. Like, earlier on, uh, it is kind of free form out in the open. You have this like, few books uh, r- related to hermeticism floating around, and people read them and then
1: come up with their own ideas. mm mm-hmm. Uh, until eventually, you get this, uh, uh, and in like the fifteen
0: hundreds, uh, a series of pamphlets get printed uh, describing uh, whatever uh, a group of people referred to as the uh, Holy Order of the Rosy Cross. I think they were called. Uh, what okay. We now, what, um, what we now, what, what I will now be calling the Rosicrucians. Okay. Um. And these people, these Rosicrucians were supposedly these like very highly placed in like the church and in like the royal courts and like all whatever institutions of power there were at the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, these like learned and capable men uh, who, you know, would practice alchemy and right. do all these things. And, and like Achieved true spiritual enlightenment and would eventually bring themselves out in the open and usher humanity to create heaven on earth. Right. Um, now the Rosicrucian pamphlets were a hoax. Mm. There was no, there were no Rosicrucians when the pamphlets were printed. Interesting. A hundred years later, there were Rosicrucians. Oh, okay. There were uh, these these uh, secret societies uh, of these people who would like look at these pamphlets and were like this is a good idea we should do this (laughs) you know that's so funny it's like they created a thing they were talking about yeah exactly um and so the rosicrucians uh you know become like like these rosicrucian orders start to become repositories of these like hermeticist beliefs Mm -hmm. as like protestantism and uh like modernity start to creep in mm. and one of the things is like as protestantism as capitalism as like these beliefs that are completely formed the modern world they didn't really have much place for a lot of these hermeticist beliefs mm, mm. and so they often got uh kind of tossed aside but they were preserved within these like rosicrucian
1: orders i see okay Uh And these Rosicrucian Orders don't strictly die out, but they kind
0: of die out until the turn of the 20th century. Mm. Uh, So, like, the very end of the 19th, uh, very beginning of the 20th uh, 20th century, with a bunch of really weird British scholars uh, who form what's called the uh, Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Okay. And you can't understand Western esotericism in the modern era
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, without understanding uh, the Golden Dawn. Mm-hmm. Because the Golden Dawn really cemented it a bunch of beliefs that then would go on to uh, a bunch of, a few people, uh, notable people, um, Alistair Crowley uh, and one other guy whose name I forget uh like they wrote books uh after Mm. the golden dawn had like dissolved and they like spread uh Mm. the beliefs about it and uh founded a couple of religions Mm. (laughs) and you know uh so like modern wiccan like wicca Mm uh like the wiccan beliefs um Mm -hmm. which is like a real religion today but it's a modern religion it it, um you know was only created in the last like 70 80 years
2: Mm -hmm. uh
0: they the Wiccan believe Wiccans practice magic. Right. And their practice of magic is almost dot for dot what Alistair Crowley was writing about. Interesting. Alistair okay. Crowley himself founded a religion called Thelema, which is also practices uh, involved in practice of magic. And Thelema also has modern followers and modern mm-hmm. believers. Um and like a lot of like the New Age movement descends from from a lot of these beliefs. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, you have to understand the the, the the Golden Dawn. And the Golden Dawn is wild. Because it only exists for about 16 years. Okay. Uh, it, like, is founded in, like, uh, ni- 1894, 1895. Mm-hmm. And it dissolves before 1910. Okay. <laughs> so pretty quick. So it's, it's very, very short-lived. Very short-lived, very weird history, a lot of, like, internal power struggles, Okay. a lot of, like, well-to-do, like, people of British high society. Mm -hmm. Ooh, we're gonna do magic! (laughs) And and it is a real shame that uh, that is where the tradition... It's either a real shame or the most appropriate thing ever, that that is where that tradition uh, ended up. Right. uh, Was with these people. You can decide for yourselves. Um, oh yeah oh i am talking about deciphering the story for how uh the 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 wild the the story that the people who founded the esoteric uh the hermetic order of the golden dawn i should say <laughs> the story they tell of how it was founded is very interesting okay it uh and i think it gives a good like example of the kind of mindsets these people are, uh, are in sure so the as the story goes the. Um, these four guys with the most British ass names ever who sure. I can never remember. And That's I won't okay. even attempt to. That's okay. One of them is trolling an old used bookstore when he uh, comes across a like 80 some page manuscript written entirely in code. Okay. Uh, this is referred to as the cipher manuscript. Okay, uh, and is very important to uh, the history of the Esoteric quarter of the hermetic order i should say. Uh so this guy uh gives it to his friend who is interested in in uh like cryptography. Right. And he uh spends uh, like a year deciphering this manuscript. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this manuscript purports to like have been written in like 1806. Okay. Uh and is, like, describing one of these, like, the structure and, like, rituals of one of these Rosicrucian Orders. Okay. Uh, And so, uh, these guys who are, like, who who, who found uh, the Hermetic Order, they get together, they look at these manuscripts, and they're like, awesome, we're gonna set up our own secret society, our own lodge, based off of this based off of this document that we found. It gets weird. Okay. I'm
1: There's one in.
0: page of these of these manuscripts that is, talks about a, uh, a German woman that was a part of one of these uh, Rosicrucian orders. And so they write her a letter, and she, like, responds, and they, they claim that she, like, inducts them into this Rosicrucian order, and so that the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn actually does descend it is like they're trying to liken it back to the nutrition right that page has been proven to be a forgery <laughs> no other page of the document is a proven forgery but that one is so they so it's proven that they forged that specific detail so that they could be seem to be more legit by s- someone Hmm. and the letters to this woman there is no evidence this woman ever actually existed oh my god um uh, <laughs> that is so weird. funny. It, it's especially weird because the whole cipher manuscript is really strange because it's dated to uh it's dated to 1806. It's a very specific date because in the cipher manuscript there is description or is there's a discussion of some like
1: ancient Egyptian things mm-hmm. that were known in the 1890s, but no, no, uh, because
0: no. the Rosetta Stone had been translated by then. Okay, interesting. But it wasn't translated until the
1: 1820s. I see. So this document wasn't all a forgery,
0: but probably wasn't actually written when it was claimed to have been written. Right. It's a very weird thing. Was it? Has it been confirmed that this dude did find it, like in an old like? bookstore like is that part of the story confirmed or is that like not no one can know kind of thing no one can really know mm-hmm. it seems unlikely that he just wrote the whole thing himself okay um there is evidence to suggest that he did not okay uh, <laughs> it, it, about fair. it that's fair but there is also like i said evidence that the story that is being told about it is not strictly true right uh and so that's sort of the vibe of right. the hermetic order of the. Gold I know and Dawn. I now understand the vibe. I've 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 gathered it. <laughs> yeah. Uh oh god. No. And they're they're uh the things that they uh like the their practice, like I said, it's very it's very interesting. They uh Oh god, it gets even weirder. So the Document also describes these, like, what are referred to as the secret elders.
1: Okay. Uh, which
0: are, like, supposedly these semi, like, quasi spiritual people. Like, it's unclear whether they're supposed to actually be pe- real people or, okay. like, angels or something right. equivalent. But okay. the idea is that, like, the order was supposedly uh blessed by these secret elders. And
1: okay. it like has the
0: blessing of the secret elders and therefore was allowed to exist. <laughs> it's is like this desperate there's like a desperation to uh give themselves like legitimacy by yeah. tying themselves back to like to these things. But they really want to be rooted in some sort of like tradition or some side of something that gives them like like um uh, authority on these matters and like it seems like there was like a vacuum almost in a sense oh yeah no they're yeah exactly so yeah and and they as you would go through uh the induction of the uh of the uh, hermetic order, there would be like tiers and levels that you have to progress through and you would like learn different things at each of these levels. So like at a certain level, they're just sort of teaching you like the base spiritual beliefs, maybe a little bit of astrology. That's sure. about it. At a higher level, you're starting to learn alchemy. You're starting to learn like how to elevate your soul. You're learning, right. um, you know, uh, you're starting to learn like theurgy. Uh, they have all of these like mm-hmm. a lot of. Uh, they're they they're they're taking a lot of beliefs from a lot of different places.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, there's this. Uh, you may have heard the term "as above, so below." This yes. is like a big part of of the like esoteric tradition in general, and it's because it's a big part of the Hermetic Orders tradition, and it's this this idea of like. You make a change on a small scale and it affects change on a large scale mm-hmm. and vice versa. Right. okay. Because it's not as above, so below, but it's the actual, because it's in Latin, and it's quote as superiors, as secut, quad inferior, et quad inferior, et secut, quad as superiors.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: As above, so below, and as below, so above. I see. Okay. So there's a bit, of, you're missing half of the quote there. Yeah. And it's it's this idea of like, how does this, like, practical magic happen? Because mm-hmm. that's kind of the selling factor, right? right? Once once you're in the whole spiritual belief system, you can focus on, like, elevating your soul on these, like, right, tiers right. of high these these tiers. Uh, which is the thing that they... You kind of have to focus on, because you can't... Sadly, you can't actually, you know, shoot fire out of your
1: hands or whatever. Unfortunately. <laughs> so, yeah, to um, be proven... Yeah. But um there
0: still there still has to be this this magical element. And it's very interesting. It's 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 uh they do these like rituals um which
1: will involve uh like uh, basically any form of like occult vaguely occult thing
0: you may have heard of these people were actually doing right so they were like drawing out diagrammatic pentagrams and circles and lighting candles mm-hmm. and like um spilling a- drops of their own blood onto uh, okay, yeah. like these simple like pieces of bread to symbolize like a kind of uh, Euc- like the Eucharist and then like eating them um they would like there'd be these like chants and often in Latin uh to yep. uh like trying to invoke whatever thing you you're trying to to create into the world into the world. Right. Um stoke the fires of change.
1: Yeah. And so
0: eventually, about sixteen years into the whole process, uh the Hermetic Order uh collapses in its entirety. Um mm-hmm. uh, there's each falling out between various members. Uh, Alistair Crowley writes like a tell-all book about. Oh my <laughs> god, was he did not. Oh, <laughs> oh my god, he, he absolutely did. Um, it's like, actually, his book and a later book by another former member are like most of the practical information is, like what they actually believed. That's uh, hilarious. Comes from. Um,
1: and what it breaks up. Interestingly enough, there are two organizations
0: today that claim to be still the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Okay. uh, Both in America. Of course. Um, uh, because, like, a lodge was, because a lodge was made in America, like, a satellite lodge for the whole thing, Mm -hmm. and when the British original lodges, like, collapsed, the American lodges stuck around for, like, another 20 years. Okay! (laughs) Um, and like the people from them kind of spun up their own ways and like some of them uh recreated them so there is like a registered corporation in Florida today that is the her- that is Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn Incorporated oh my god that's a, that's amazing
1: it is beautiful that is beautiful ah uh, so yeah um, and then these so their beliefs from
0: the, oh. the Golden Order, uh, the Hermetic Order, sorry, I think, yeah. the Hermetic oh, Order, of the Golden One. uh, sp- spread throughout the world, uh, from these books, and like these, yeah, these like new age religions start right. coming about, and they start taking these ideas and, mm-hmm. and applying them. Um, and like these ideas, uh, they're I think they're more potent and, like, more prevalent than people like to imagine they are. Mm-hmm. Um, are you familiar with uh, The Secret? The Secret? No, I don't think I am. It's uh, relatively recent. Like, it's a, it's a book uh, that, was, that was published not, mm-hmm. like, in the last 20, 30 years. Okay. Um, that talks about this, like, idea of manifesting uh so affecting change in the world by willing it into being uh, okay. and you do this this manifesting practice uh by like you will like draw pictures of the thing you want to create and you will like speak verbal affirmisms towards it and like that sounds a lot like you're essentially not, doing lot, every like, yeah you're doing every individual step of this process of of these processes that Alistair Crowley laid out. And, like... And, yeah, in the same way that, like, the esotericists... Yeah, you can do all this, like, real magical shit, but we're not really focusing on that. The This manifesting practice, this manifesting idea, focuses on, like, changes in yourself and, like, the things you can do. Right. But also, if you wanted to, like, manifest... Getting a new job, or right. Here's uh, how you would do that. a lot of money, or whatever. That's yeah. part of it. Okay. Uh, and like, it's the, a side secret part. like a best, the secret was like a the secret was like a best selling book. It like tons of people today genuinely believe in this stuff. Yeah. And I haven't really like looked. I haven't looked deeply into the author of the secret to mm. precisely. I can't tell you for a fact that the author of the secret. Read Aleister Crowley's books but. and you know is following it, fall, follow, but more or less false his teachings. But I'm pretty sure that that, <laughs> yeah. that is where that comes from. He caught wind of it somehow, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think that's if we want to talk about like the historical progression, that that takes you to today, yeah. Uh, and yeah, I want to stress that these things are very much so still around, so. I have a few more questions. I think you you covered yeah. a lot of ground, so a few of these questions we kind of already covered, so we can kind of breeze past them if you if you feel like it. But um, I I already kind of I kind of predicted that alchemy would come up in this conversation, so I wanted to just ask you, how is alchemy different from these other traditions, and what are the influences that alchemy has had on on the, these traditions? But we've already spoken about alchemy a fair amount, but it's up to you if you have anything else you want to say on the matter.
1: Yeah. So alchemy is is interesting uh because it's not mm. I, I think i think the the key thing about alchemy is how a part of these traditions
0: it is how alchemy as can't be meaningfully separated from the the religion the the astrology Mm -hmm. elements of it like the alchemists assigned individual metals to Mm -hmm. the planets right Mm -hmm. so uh the reason that mercury is called mercury right is because it was called quicksilver at the time but it was associated with the planet mercury makes sense yeah um things of that nature
1: uh i think um
0: Whatever, like Newton uh, did a bunch of alchemy, and like one of the things that he created was a uh, was a structure that he referred to as uh, the net, which was related to like his interpretation of a particular Greek myth. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the Greek mythology really influenced like the hermeticists, right? Uh, so I think, yeah, I think alchemy, we we like to imagine it as its own like individualized tradition mm-hmm. or as like proto-chemistry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that it really can't be separated meaningfully from the rest of the esoteric okay. beliefs. So it would be more of like a discipline within the esoteric beliefs as opposed to its own separate yeah. discipline. Absolutely. If you uh if you look at like in uh the the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn uh, they consider there to be three kinds of magical practice: alchemy, astrology, theurgy. Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 throughout the whole process. It's deep. Alchemy is is a deep part of it because, like I said, magic is trying to get something for nothing, mm-hmm. and the core thing you want to get from alchemy is to turn what turn precious uh, turn uh, lead into gold, turn impure metals into into precious metals, which almost right? every every person has ever tried to do that. Newton tried to do that. You know what I mean? Like that was like, yeah. everyone's tried it. That was what a big one. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, so we talked a little bit about like the church's view on this stuff and you know, you kind of talked about like the everyday person, like kind of believing this stuff, but like, I guess maybe my first question before I, before I ask these rest of the questions, would you say that not necessarily in terms of people's beliefs, but as like a society, do you think that people like a society, I should say generally doesn't believe in these things as much anymore? Or do you think that it's similar or how, how would you see that
1: on like a societal level, not Um, like an individual level? Yeah. So I think on a societal level, I think on a societal level, there is
0: less belief in magic mm. as the technologies of modernity became more prevalent. Mm. Uh, and I don't just mean, like, the technologies as, like, the, what we would consider your technology to your phone or whatever. Sure. Uh, but, like, also, uh, like, ideology is a kind of technology, right? right? So, you know, capitalism dissolving uh social beliefs of all kinds including magical beliefs mm. and uh you know like more dour forms of protestantism right. where they would consider like you know uh as the moder- as the modern world uh like modernity you also as modernity comes to be you also have things like the witch trials mm. which uh begin to make magic uh, considered to be can makes like magic that would have previously been considered like for various folk practices right. mixed with these like white magic stuff. Now suddenly all magic is just demons yeah, and like get- evil and to be destroyed. Yeah. And it gets pushed to the fringes of society if it's, if it survives. Exactly. And then I think where magic has resurged in the modern times And I think it it genuinely has resurged. Like I think it was very much so underground when it was these like weird Rosicrucian lodges and Mm. like the Hermetic Order. uh, Eventually, right? It 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 got a resurgence in the modern times
1: as uh as like as religious beliefs started to decline. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, If you if you look at today, uh, like irreligiosity. Is increasing all throughout the world, right? Uh, but I think people still need some kind of sp- many. Most people still need some kind of spiritual beliefs, right? And magic, as this idea of like getting something for nothing, but also personal spiritual development, really gels well with the modern world, right, with like the modern subject, right? Your, uh, your chakras, your, you know, astrology Yeah, and then, and... and then now you have all these East and, and mm-hmm. the people who like talked about magic love started to take all these Eastern traditions that they'd had previously been exposed to mm-hmm. and bastardize them as much as they bastardized the Egyptians and Greeks right. of yesteryear. Right. Um, and it's also why I, 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 uh, you know, I'm not from any of those cultures, so i I don't want to speak on like, sure. but like they had their own versions of alchemy, their own versions of folk magic, their own sort of so, their own things. I'm actually I'm actually curious because this is actually just something I'm thinking of. So we we spoke a lot earlier about how you know there's a lot of religious influence on um you know the various different esotericism and like the beliefs that are associated with that and like the practices. But what it almost yeah. sounds like you're saying is that in the modern world um to kind of like like go along with the the spike in in lack of religious like religious beliefs you've had this almost like secular magic that has become popularized where there's not any necessarily like one religious belief associated with it but there's the the spiritual practice the trying to you know you know there's the the rituals the bettering oneself that's all there without any specific religious like ties yeah exactly uh because At a certain level, the real difference between uh, those two is almost, you can almost think of it as, like, religion can only really exist in community, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But as, like, modernity and, like, you know, modern capitalism dissolves communal ties, you're only really left with yourself. Right. And you need a spiritual practice that is just all about... Developing the self, right? Uh, and magic really, really does that. Uh, yeah. That's that's uh, esotericism. Really, uh, that's all esotericism is is, is all about. Mm. Uh, because it started with these like re- weirdo. Frankly, it started with these really weird loner practitioners of Kabbalah right. in
1: these Jewish communities. Right, that right. Was two
0: years ago. Right. <laughs> like his, it's like poetry. It rhymes, you know. <laughs> Exactly, um, so I think you. I think you've already answered it. But so would you say then? So you know, be- besides the modern spike, would you say that the you know in the more relative modern times, the the dip in in the tradition, would you say that's due to capitalism, or would you say there's any other causes that have kind of ca- that caused it to kind of become less popular than resurge a little bit in a new form now?
1: I would say, I would blame capitalism for it. Uh, but I think
0: it's not just capitalism, but it's also uh, the Reformation. I think' is a big plays a big role.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, because the the Protestant Reformation takes what the, the whole practice the whole concept of the Protestant Reformation was to personalize uh, and individualize uh, uh, your belief in in God, right? Mm-hmm. To take the church. To turn the church from a like singular, broad, powerful social institution of community mm-hmm. and turn it into a bunch of like small atomized local churches and you're reading your own Bible and you're coming to your own conclusions and you're uh you know, you're taking these Protestant beliefs and then you're engaging in the capitalist market mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the dip is because there wasn't a need for magic in a certain sense. I see. Because you could just start you because now you could just be a doctor. Right. Now you could just be uh a scientist. Now you mm. can just be uh, you know, a uh, weirdo crank who is uh ranting about the angels. The, the roles <laughs> in society that it kinda took up had other things fill its place, almost. Exactly. And I think, yeah, I think it was it was a combination of like I think it was probably more to do with the Reformation technically than capitalism, but I think i don't think the reformation i think the reformation and capitalism and the development of capitalism are so interwoven with one another mm-hmm. that it's impossible to
1: separate the two that's fair that's fair um so i guess uh this is maybe a bit of a loaded question
0: so i'm not sh- I, I was i'm not sure how to word this one so i'm gonna try my best but um you know so we talked a lot about you know you know if you're a lay person, you see this person doing, you know, things that look like magic, you know, you have the alchemy, you have the medical practices and all that. Um, and, you know, they obviously, it, it looks like magic, so you believe the other guy. But for the people practicing it, right? Like, you know, this this has been practiced for many, many, many years, right? Hundreds of thousands of years, right? Or not hundreds of thousands, hundreds slash thousands of years. Yeah. Um, Like, for some of their goals, like, for example, like turning, like, you know, in, like, regular metal and the precious metal forever, like turning lead into gold like it never it never worked they, they could never do it so like like you know how did the lack of success in some of these bigger projects or like the grandiose like claims how did that never stop these people or like what what caused it continue despite the lack of success
1: that's an interesting question i don't think i
0: have a, a firm answer for you there that's fair. um what i think
1: What I think, though, is... (sighs) Yeah, so... It's a process of
0: seeking knowledge, of seeking Mm -hmm. enlightenment, of developing, right? Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, it hasn't worked yet, because Mm -hmm. I'm not there yet.
2: I see, okay.
0: And perhaps I will never be there, but my student might. I or see. his student might. I see. Right? Oh, I, I think... okay, I see, I see what you're saying. So it's like it's more of like the, the spiritual development, what the, the lack of success has to be coming from me in some sense, right? And maybe I'm <laughs> never going to be ready, but someone in the future could be ready, so I need to continue my work. Yeah. Like in Kabbalah, practical Kabbalah, like the the, the part that we would call like doing magic,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you can kinda do it, but you're not supposed to do it. You're actually not supposed to do practical Kabbalah until the Third Temple is built, until Mm -hmm. the Messianic Age. Okay. Right? It's this idea of like, yeah, we can kind of do this, but the world is not ready for us to be able to do this Mm -hmm. quite yet. Mm -hmm. So we need to work to get ourselves to that stage. Mm -hmm. Right? And I think that element of it, that... um, yeah, we can kind of do this practical stuff, uh, It's just enough to like convince people mostly. Mm-hmm. But you should probably not focus too much on that, and focus more on getting us to the point where we can now do it. Which right? which sounds like a theme from our conversation, which is like all these things that you know maybe modern people might think of as magic, like the big things, sound like they don't they have we're not as maybe big of a focus in the tradition itself. There's a lot of like self improvement, spiritual like progression that seemed to be more of a focus, at least in the traditions themselves. Yeah, which is probably mostly because it didn't work, right? Right, you you couldn't actually make lead into gold. You couldn't actually uh, breathe life into people, right? Right, (laughs) Um, that makes sense. Yeah, you're put your focus on what you can do.
1: Yeah, uh, and but the thing is. What
0: I find very interesting is these traditions did shape these like monumental institutions of the modern world, right. modern medicine, uh modern science. Yes, absolutely. And you know, we can turn lead into gold now. Yeah. We know how to do that. Yeah. Uh bombard it with enough Just... uh with a powerful enough neutron ray yeah. and yeah, your lead will become gold. Yes. Um. Uh, uh. Like we can do a lot of the things that magic, that that these magical traditions were trying to do, which I think is why. Um. Which in- it's interesting is like there's that quote where it's like any significantly advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. You know what I mean? It's like as technology advances, a lot of the things that magic claimed to want to be able to do, it's it's like we can do it and then some sometimes so it's interesting are, to think about that are you familiar with the corollary to that quote uh uh-uh. uh uh any sufficiently well understood magic is indistinguishable from science interesting okay i've never heard that one that's very good i like that <laughs> that's cool um interesting and yeah that's the i think that's 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 at the end of the day uh they did you know apply their will and change the world no they did i mean (laughs) it's hard to argue especially with a lot of things you've laid out like a lot of these beliefs and traditions have shaped how we live our lives today uh, and institutions today in ways that many people will never even know they won't even know it even existed and that it affects how they do things exactly Talking about influences, now, I know you and I talked about this beforehand, and so I'm not sure if you got a chance to think about it or not, but I did want to ask, and so if you don't have a great answer, that's okay. Um, What do you think has been, like, the influence on, like, pop culture magic from, like, you know, real life, Western esotericism, like, you know, in pop culture, it's a very specific style, and I think it hasn't been around for very long, so have there been any influences from that that you can think of? Um, Is it all, like, is it disjointed? What do you think?
1: Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Uh, I think that there are definitely aesthetic elements Mm -hmm. of, uh,
0: the esoteric traditions that are, are understood to be shorthands for magic Mm -hmm. and therefore will show up in stories. Okay. So like... Look at any any sort of uh media where 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 there are wizards and they will often uh draw diagrams on the floor, they mm-hmm. will often light candles, they right. will often uh you know, uh do these practices of, of changing something small to change something large. Right. These like this there is certainly an aesthetic understanding of what magic looks like to mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. That does definitely stem specifically from the esoteric order of the, right. uh, from the hermetic order of the Golden Dawn. Sorry, right. Not the esoteric order, hermetic order. Um.
1: So there's that. Uh, I think also, um. Yeah, a, a little, a lot of elements like that. Um, there's a big
0: em- emphasis in the, uh, in these in like, hermeticist orders on, like, passing down your knowledge to a specific student. Not, mm-hmm. like, teaching, right. like, as a classroom, but, like, individualized passing down. Mm-hmm. And I think that is often uh, a big element of how we think about, like, wizards and media, things right. like that, right? Um, even to the extent that, like, there are obviously, like, very famous exceptions to that rule uh harry potter is probably the most uh, famous of them right where it's literally like a school kind of anathema to uh to those magical traditions actually to teach it in that context in that setting right right uh uh so obviously it's not universal no do you um I'm thinking out loud here. Do you think that, like, the rise in, like, magical pop culture, right? I would say that there's a lot of, like... It's it's a lot bigger now, but even, you know, I would say it was still fairly more popular than it ever had been. Do you think that that comes from, like, again, that lack of, you know, actual magic being involved in, in people's lives? Do you think that that filled a bit of a void, or do you think it's unrelated? I absolutely think it's related. I think that the... Because, ra- right, fantasy literature... More or less begins with Tolkien, right? Right. Like there are kind of examples that are pre-Tolkien, but very few, uh, and they're they're kind of ill-formed as we would consider. Yeah, them today. it it wasn't until Tolkien that there was like a baseline, and then people tried to almost emulate that in a sense. Like it, people, we haven't even gotten away from it even today. I would say, yeah, we are we are we are still living in the fantasy genre Tolkien penned, right? Um and yeah, like fantasy I think about when Tolkien was writing and when Tolkien was getting popular was like the post war years. Mm-hmm. Uh where like you know uh at least in the West, right, where where capitalism has like violently overthrown all opposition and uh stands you know, peak of top the world. Right. Um, and at the same time, this is when the, like, collapse of, uh, of, where the, like, decline of religiosity is, like, really starting to become apparent. Right. And, yeah, I think, uh, our, our collective love of fantasy literature, uh, well, not everyone loves it, but I do. Uh, <laughs> you and me. I think, it, yeah. I think it in part uh, does come from the fact that uh, I'm fairly sure this is true about you. It's definitely true about me. I am. I am. Uh, I am not a religious person. I am an atheist, yeah. uh, and I've never been religious. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think we don't have magic in our lives in that sense. So we find magic where we can. T- where we can get it. That's fair. Yeah, I would. I would probably agree with that. Because like I said, it's a very magic is a very potent force in the human psyche. Yeah. And uh, hard to get away from. We, yeah. I don't, I don't even think it's uh, healthy to get away from it. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. Um, last real question that I have. Um, do you have any like fun facts or like bits of information that you wanted to just share? Anything that you really wanted to tell us? I shared a lot of them already. Mm-hmm. I figured uh, you did, but I want to make sure if there's any that
1: we miss. You got a chance, and if there's yeah. not, that's totally okay. Um, nothing in my head uh i've shared a lot of my fun facts uh okay as as we've gone along um yeah people uh people believe very interesting things they And do. it's always it's always very fascinating
0: to me i definitely think this has been super fascinating well uh yogev thank you for coming on of course you know, I had a I had a reputation on this podcast, apparently, and so I needed to I uh, I needed to come with my best. Yeah, I think uh, I think you brought it. I think you brought your best. <laughs>